Crosby was a 10. Stills brought yeah. a 10. Nash brought a 10. Yeah. Young brought a 10. And all together, that, that band was like a 50. And the, Some, and, yeah. and the drama was a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tommy. And I'm Tony. I'm Carlo. And this is Vinyl Salad. We wanna, let, let's hit the topic. So we, we thought super groups, some, some succeed, some fail, some we love, and some we laugh at. Uh, so let, let, let's talk super groups. And I know that discussing this with, with Carlo at, to some degree this week, Carlos said, dudes, I'm coming in hot. He basically laid it out like, guys, get ready to defend yourselves because I'm coming in. I'm coming in hot. So yeah. you want to you want to start the storm, the super group storm, Carlo? Uh, my the first time I really became conscious of this whole concept of a super group was with uh, Tony. You remember Pete Frame's Rock Family Trees? Uh, I had a hunch you were going to go there. Yeah. I mean, the, this how do we describe Pete Frame's book? It was it was hand-drawn family trees. It was in a poster-sized right. book with, as you said, meticulously hand-drawn and written trees. So it might, for instance, there might be a page, Peter Frampton, and then it there's a line drawn and it goes back to the years and the members right. of Humble Pie. And, the, the, and, and it would trace back to members of bands that you'd never heard of. And you start to realize like, Wow, Frampton's band didn't just, they didn't just come out of nowhere. Bob Mayo didn't come from nowhere. Peter Frame was, is a British journalist. He wrote for Melody Maker, et cetera, et cetera. And Tony, we had a pullout of a Yardbirds family tree that appeared in some magazine. Trouser Press. Uh, there we go, Trouser Press. And from that long, extensive pullout, it was, it was the Clapton family tree and with the whole history of the Yardbirds and then and then you see cream, and then you're, you're, you're really becoming very conscious of this idea of a supergroup. So that was really the first time um, I became aware of it. And wow, look at this. Uh, uh, Ginger Baker and, and Jack Bruce came from, you know, Grand Bond Organization, and Clapton came from, as far as cream, Clapton came from John Mayle, and before that, the Yardbirds, et cetera. So uh, I'm fascinated by the concept of uh, supergroups. But I'm going to go right out, and I'm going to say maybe one of the top supergroups of all time, and I'm going to lead with them, and because they're not in the Rock Hall of Fame, which is a subject alone that ticks me off, and I'm going to go with Bad Company as really one of the great supergroups. Paul Rogers from Free on lead vocals, Simon Kirk from Free on the drums, Mick Rouse from Mop the Poople on guitar, yeah. and of course, Boz Burrell from King Crimson. How good were their first couple albums, right? First off, how great, is, amazing is Paul Rogers, the voice, as he's called by so many. It's interesting, you know, our, our previous podcast, we talked about Kiss. And I said, you know, Ace was kind of very influenced by that free sound. Uh, that early bad company, is, it, it, it's like early Kiss, right? It's clean, it's dirty, and it's simple. So I want to leave with Bad Company as a phenomenal supergroup and 
the fact that they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall, the fact that Paul Rogers is not in the Rock and Roll Hall is, is absolutely a, a unconscionable. I'm shocked that they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I pay no mind to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I'm shocked, but I'm not surprised that they're not in the Hall of Fame. And people forget um, that they are a super group. I think that you know they were the first band signed by Swan Song when when Led Zeppelin got its own label at Atlantic Records. And I think people kind of viewed them as kind of Led Zeppelin's band. I think Peter Grant also managed Bad Company. But people forget that Free was huge. They played the Isle of Wight. These guys were at their peak, albeit short-lived, um, when they disbanded. Um, but I would agree. I think that Bad Company, people forget that it's a super group because I think that it's kind of, it, it's, it's a group that I think that has long been underappreciated, uh, although a staple on classic AOR radio, uh, very underappreciated band. Underappreciated, I think, because they're not flashy. I mean, their style is very simple, right? Yeah, that's four. That's dirty. four on the floor. Yep, uh -huh. and, and that's 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 good rock. Like nobody's gonna fight you there. That comes on the radio. You're you're, you're gonna stay with it. You're gonna you're, you're gonna keep listening to the bad company track. And speaking of supergroups, I mean, we'll get to one of my busts, uh, the firm, yeah. with Jimmy Page. Uh, one of my and, busts you know, too. Who does who does who does Jimmy Page? Um, call on for his lead vocalist, Paul Rogers. When Queen is looking for a replacement to tour, you know, very post Freddie Mercury, who does Brian Main call on? Paul Rogers. He's a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame rock vocalist. Yeah, I, and, and it's interesting that you bring up The Firm because for, for every boom, there are many, many busts. Uh, the Firm, uh, circa 1985, 1986, uh, to, to refresh everyone's memory. It was Paul Rogers, it was Jimmy Page, it was uh, Tony Franklin on bass, Chris Slade, who later did a lot of work with ACDC. Um, to this day, I, I've tried to listen to them and it just leaves me empty every time I try to listen to them. And it's, it's because I think Jimmy Page is not there. I mean, it's been well documented that, you know, this was a, a vehicle to, to get Jimmy Page out of the doldrums. And I, I just think there's the guitar work is the part that bothers me the most. Paul Rogers could 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 recite a phone book and I think it's amazing. Yeah, I mean when you listen to the song Radioactive, which is a single, I mean it's it's not it's not a memorable track. Um, but I actually, you know, I find myself honing in on Paul's vocals mm. and less so uh, what I think is a very feeble lead by Jimmy on that track. Yeah, you know, the thing about the firm, and I didn't pay too much attention to that band because part of my problem with super groups to begin with is I don't like when it feels like they were inorganically formed. It, 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 this just seemed like a record label forming a band, and, and it just seemed like corporate rock at its worst, and AOR in the worst definition of AOR. But, you know, you've got the heritage there, it's free. Bad Company, The Yardbirds, Zeppelin, Whitesnake, Uriah Heep, uh, Manfred Mann, ACDC. But The Firm just is probably the worst of those bands that I've just mentioned. Yeah. So some did not, was not equal to its historical parts. And speaking of 
uh, rock family trees and Peter Frame. Um, I think the one the one musician that made us appreciate what a family tree was and what a supergroup was um, has to be Eric Clapton, yeah. given the fact that I think he has his name next to uh, at least three supergroups: Cream, Blind Faith, and I think the one that's the true supergroup. I think that actually put out something that was amazing, um, Derek and the Dominoes. Um, I mean, Cream, yes, a super group, but I don't want to get too technical, but I mean, how many albums did the Graham Bond organization sell? Uh, let's, let's be real. I, I don't think anyone in the United States knew who Ginger Baker or Jack Bruce was, um, but Cream is considered, considered a super group. I think it's because they were just, what they really were, were a power trio who were well-respected musicians. In uh, London, yes. In London. Blind Faith, certainly a super group. Um, but again, one album and then it kind of sputtered. Stevie Winwood, Ginger Baker, Eric, and Rick Grecht from Family. Um, but Derek and the Dominoes, which is Dwayne, who uh, was almost an afterthought or just kind of came in on the, you know, came in after the band was formed. But uh, in the end, Dwayne Allman, Eric Clapton, and the members from Delaney and Bonnie, Carl Radel, Jim Gordon, um, and Bobby Whitlock. Uh, to me, that, that was a super group, and that album is a super album. And Tony, also remember, very early in the uh, in Derek and the Dominoes was Dave Mason. Okay? Yeah, Dave Mason's group. another guy who, who right. pops in and out of all these bands, right? Yeah, and, and uh, can I say that I think, Tommy, you and I have had this conversation Mm -hmm. about Eric Clapton's high watermark. Uh, I believe personally, Derek and the Dominoes. I think that's his high watermark. For me, I loved Cream. I thought Derek and the Dominoes was phenomenal. But after that, uh, especially in the past 20 years, uh, yeah, I, can take, it, I, I just, can take it or leave it. I just, I, I, I was a Clapton fan for about a year. Never liked Derek and the Dominoes. I never liked Cream. I, I I can't I still can't bring myself I didn't like Flying Faith I had the records because I was such an idiot that I would spend I would spend my allowance money on records that I knew I wouldn't like because I was a collector but I, I never liked that the slow hand record all right now we're talking I dig okay. that but then that's it I couldn't I, it, nothing more after that and I know we're supposed to talk about super groups but I saw Clapton at Madison Square Garden. And a friend brought me, a friend is a big guitar head, Stevie how Ray Vaughan. Oh, how long ago? Oh, Jesus. I'd say mid 80s, mid to late 80s. Okay. So my friend brings me to Madison Square Garden, and it is to this day the only concert I've ever fallen asleep at. Who goes into these super groups, right? These are perhaps these aren't musicians that are naturally team players, right? I mean, right. Jack Bruce doesn't get along with a lot of, didn't get along with a lot of people. Hence, <laughs> he's turned up in about five of these right. flash in the pan super groups. I don't know, uh, Cozy Powell, Ainsley Dunbar, you know, these drummers, uh, you know, BLT, Robert Trower, Bill Lorden, and Jack Bruce. I mean, they, these, maybe these guys were just not meant to be on a team, on a team for 10 years, which says a lot about CSN. And and their and their longevity and bad company for that matter. Now, Tony, when you say CSN, those three guys came from legit oh, super, oh. super bands. 
to yeah, form from, three rock and roll hall of fame bands uh, yeah. again not to that yeah. that that's the imprimatur we need no but, but still they came from amazing bands that people already knew and no band, and bands that had hits and they and they took chances on each other and and became CSN. That is a supergroup to me. But I have a problem with a lot of like what gets defined as a supergroup. It sometimes it just feels like people will call it a supergroup. Like Wikipedia will call Little River Band a supergroup. Yeah. Do you know where that those guys came from? No, I'm sorry. Like they they, they might have all come from other bands, but every member of Kiss came from another band too. They're yeah. not a supergroup. So it's interesting you bring up uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and let's add Neil Young. For the listeners at home, Stephen Stills and Neil Young from the Buffalo Springfield, Graham Nash from the Hollies, and David Crosby from the Birds. Uh, a 2019 uh, biography by David Brown, a phenomenal book called Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, The Wild Definitive Saga of Rock's Greatest Supergroup. That's the full title. I would say that a lot of these supergroups, we didn't mention like Jack Bruce, Leslie West, and Corky Lang, right? right. Um, you, you have those that, that sort of come and go, but back to this notion of you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young have stayed with us in our consciousness. We don't have to scratch our head and say, what did they sing? Yeah, um, you're right. They came on, they came on strong. Uh, I'll never forget the Woodstock album, which I've referenced before, which I had probably in eighth grade. And that was their second performance, CSNY. They came from not just popular bands, they came from very popular bands. The Hollies were massive, the Birds, so influential, and the Buffalo Springfield as well. Uh, Just talk to Robert Plant about the impact of the Buffalo Springfield. And that goes to some of what I was trying to get at about the the, the sum not adding up to the parts. Yeah. Well, in that case, like Crosby was a 10, Stills brought yeah. a 10, Nash brought a 10, yeah. Young brought a 10, and all together that, that band was like a 50. And the, some, and, yeah. and the drama was a 10. <laughs> Can I ask, what if, uh, a little piece of rock trivia, Rick James, yes, the Rick James, was hanging out with Neil Young in Toronto in the late 1960s. You know, Rick James apparently was very disappointed he did not get picked to play bass for Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. So the band he was in with Neil Young in Toronto, they were called the Minor Birds. Can I ask this question? What if Rick James did end up being the bassist for Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? Wow. But but wow, your question is like what a, what a what a ponderable question. Like I mean, would would it be funkier? Yeah, can you imagine the super freak in three part harmony? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I think we agree then on 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 uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yeah, probably the best uh, yeah. it, because because and and for the reasons being, they all came from mega hot groups and they became a mega hot group and it wasn't formed inorganically yeah give you an example of of guys that did take a risk and for whatever reason is overlooked as a super group um probably because there's a certain modesty associated um with their success but the faces 
When wow. you think of the small faces, uh, where Ian McLagan, Ronnie Lane, and Kenny Jones came from, uh, and then the Jeff Beck group, where Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart came from, both of those bands were, you know, successful in England, but not really huge, huge acts, but definitely well respected well appreciated. But when they came together to form the faces, they left their bands, right? Rod Stewart was a young singer and left the Jeff Beck group. That was a big deal. He took a risk. Um, yeah. Ronnie Wood too. Um, Ronnie Wood was a young, you know, rhythm, lead guitarist, slide guitarist, but he had to play rhythm and bass for Jeff Beck, right? Took a risk. They became something of a super group, even though we don't kind of put them in the same category as like a, a cream, for example, at least at least the, 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 the press doesn't. And Tony, so long as we're talking about modesty, I, I think we have to talk about one of the greatest supergroups in the history of music. And that, of course, is Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Mm. You got so, the joke about the modesty, oh right? Somebody, oh, yeah. somebody get, hit the prog switch. Let, let somebody me, hit the let prog alarm. Say, let me just say, there's going to be a little something here for everyone. I, I said I'm coming. I doubt I'm it. I'm coming to this with daggers, right? Uh, Carl Palmer, uh, talk about a super group. You know, he was 16. He went professional. He was backing up. Check this. Check out this band, Chris Farlow. Do you remember him? No. Chris Farley? Yeah, he was the guy at Saturday Night Live. He was so fun. Nobody emoted like Chris no. Farley. Chris, Far Chris Farlow, he had a big hit. He did the Stones out of time. So a little known fact that... Uh, Mick Jagger was producing a band in England in the mid to late 60s called Chris Farlow and the Thunderbirds. Uh, yeah. A young drummer, 16 years old, Carl Palmer, and a very young guitarist by the name of Albert Lee. So um, Carl Palmer went there, and then he went to uh, Atomic Rooster. Before that, he was in the crazy world of Arthur Brown. These were bands that had a lot of cachet in London. But the guy who had the most cachet, and, and by the way, Greg Lake, of course, came out of King Crimson. The one album he did with King Crimson was In the Court of the Crimson King. The best one. Right, the best one. Keith Emerson came out of a band called The Nice, a very influential band. As a matter of fact, Lemmy from Motorhead was the roadie of The Nice. Uh, and Keith Emerson was considered the hottest keyboardist. Let me make the point, and I know when I'm just mentioning ELP, people's eyes roll. There's like, Close. are you kidding me? Close. <laughs> I will say this about uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. By the way, platinum, platinum, platinum. I'm going to give these guys credit for saying, screw two minutes and 59 seconds. We're going to go out there, and we're going to put on a show, and we're going to play Cal Jam, right? on the same bill in 1974 with Deep Purple and Black Sabbath, and we're going to have Keith Emerson suspend his Steinway 50 feet in the air, right? And we're going to have Carl Palmer do a massive drum solo. And Keith Emerson on stage in some of his concerts, he's getting daggers and throwing them into a ham, ham and organ. I would say, you know what? ELP, ELP was punk rock before punk rock, all right? And I know that's a controversial statement, but if you look at yes. ELP at the Isle of Wight, you look at him at Cal Jam, these guys were crushing it, and they didn't, they didn't give a rat's ass. Hey, sorry, 2 minutes and 59 seconds, we're going to play our stuff. And you know what? Platinum, 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 uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, certainly a super group. Well, cheers for them being one of your favorite bands of all time. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there, there's no disputing 
who or who is not. We can stipulate that. We can stipulate that it's one of your favorite things, (laughs) Carla. However, however, as a super group, I am not feeling it because of some of the some of the the commandments I've laid out (laughs) previously. It's just like, all right, well, crimson, great, and and the nice fantastic but not a super group that band is better than the parts it came from so you can't consider like again against the barometer of crosby sales nash and young they didn't come from from a heritage that was ass whomping they came from different bands that did all right and they became better for themselves. So, so Tommy, you're categorizing yeah. them as far as a supergroup, a supergroup in as much as Cream was a supergroup, right? In the sense that no one really knew in America who the heck Jack Bruce or Ginger Baker was. But everyone I'm saying, in the London yeah. scene did. You know, same same with I would say ELP. And what bothers me is when all the punk rockers, all these doc documentaries of punk rock that came out in, in the last 10, 15 years, they all take these stabs at prog rock and they always show a picture of jethro Tull and elp you know what i'm sorry i i give these prog rockers yes elp credit for just taking things out of two minutes and 59 seconds and just letting it loose and expanding your mind and so but that's what punk was about but dude that's what punk was a, was about it was like a, a response to over articulated notation and the 11 and a half minute song like now we could play three chords that we could figure out for ourselves and play it in a minute 20. And, but that's what it was about. So of course sure. it, it, they were going to lash out at what was on the charts at the time. Right. And I, I, I cannot, I, and will not consider ELP punk rock. Like they no, might, they it, might've had an attitude. I'm saying it tongue, but, tongue in cheek. Yeah. Carl, I, 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 here's what I would say. If you want to talk super group and you want to, you want to get your prog fill. Um, I would actually say Carl Palmer's next next trade sure. uh, Asia. with Asia, yeah. along mm-hmm. with uh, with John Wetton from Pink Crimson and and the Yes and uh, Jeffrey uh, Jeff- Downs from the Buggles. From, from the Buggles. That that to me, you know, feels more like a super group. And of course, as a as a group, they you know their first album achieved ridiculous success. You know, I don't know how big of, I don't know if I was a big fan. I, uh, one thing I will say when, when Keith Emerson died, uh, I did not appreciate that he was basically considered the Jimi Hendrix of the keyboard. And I saw that video from Cal Jam, absolutely mind blowing and, and amazing. And just kind of viewed him in an entirely uh, different light in a real um, kind of mavericky mm. and iconoclastic like probably because I was never really a fan of ELP, Tony, but I, to I, see to see that I, I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I still uh, I'm not going to uh, I'm gonna stay by Tommy's side and say ELP itself is not a super group. I guess this also would be considered a legitimate super group if you just look at their individual bios, right? But I guess at some point we have to talk about uh, the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah. If we follow my commandments. That one is okay. It abides by my commandments because, all right, they, those guys weren't taking risks. They were all bulletproof stars. Right. But at the same time, it didn't feel inorganic. It didn't. It didn't feel like they like some 
record label exec said, sure. hey, you know, what would be really cool if you guys got together. They were into it. They bought in. They bought into they, those personalities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you can tell by the writing. I think that's just it. I think that they actually they actually weren't going through the motions. Can I be honest? My feelings towards the Wilburys. Uh, no, lie I, to I, us, Carlo. I, I enjoyed them very much. I always felt Jeff Lynne was the weak link, uh, the interloper. I felt it back then. I no longer feel that way. I, I know how respected he is, and he's very close with George Harrison. But uh, I just felt uh, he was lucky to be in that one. Yeah, I, I, to me, it felt very much like which of these things is not like the other. If he were just a producer right. in the background, and maybe let's just say they brought in, I don't know, Roger McGuinn. Right. Tony, you, it's funny. My notes here say, actually... So after Roy Orbison passed away, I wish they would have replaced him. Here are my two candidates, Roger McGuinn or Jerry Garcia. I think Jerry, Jerry would have Garcia. been interesting. But I always, and, and the reason my issue with Jeff Lynn, you know, George Harrison's comeback, right? With I Got My Mind Set On You, that was all Jeff Lynn produced. I was not a fan of that sound. Same. I was, I was not a fan of the kind of e. e ELO-ish sound uh, in the, that George Harrison album. And so uh, when I saw the first saw the video of uh, Handle Me With Care, I was really excited. I was like, what the heck's Jeff Lynne doing there? Oh, he was working with George Harrison. Sure. Yeah. I'm a huge Jeff Lynne fan. I, I love Jeff Lynne. I appreciate the, the, his production work, and I love ELO. <laughs> I know you guys don't believe that, but I love ELO. But all right. I'll give aren't, you aren't that. They little, aren't they a little pretentious, Tommy? Sure, they are. But they're also <laughs> they're also gosh darn fun. Like that out of the blue record is fun. Yeah, yeah. Ar ar arguably they're a they're a they're they're a they're a pop prog brand, Carlos. Yeah. Something about them. And when yeah. they came to Madison Square Garden with that spaceship, yeah, that I mean was, they were just like yeah. channeling the Beatles. Pink Floyd, and yeah. it was just like one and big, the move, yeah, the, and and the, the move, move, right? The move, yeah, that, that yeah. was a big deal. And, and just to pick up the thread, a, a huge Jeff Lynn fan, but I, I'll, I'll give it to you, Carlo, that if there was a person who who was in last place of the Wilburys, yeah, it's Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, you know, Jeff, Jeff, you know, he could, he could, he could be uh, delegated to another league in the next season. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get a chance to um, confuse everybody with <laughs> the super groups that I uh, wanted to talk about. But something should be said about the accidental super group, um, December 4th, 1956. So mm -hmm. Carl, Carl Perkins. Oh, goes the million dollar quartet? Yeah. So oh, Carl, yeah. Which is, which is, it's an accidental super group, which when you talk about you know, I, I complain about the inorganic creation of them. <laughs> Nothing could be more organic than this. Carl Perkins goes into Sun Studios to re-record Matchbox, the song Matchbox. And while he's recording, uh, Sam Phillips says, uh, let's, let's get a, a piano player to come and fill out the sound. There's this local guy, uh, I guess that's Memphis. So there's a local guy. Uh, his name is Jerry Lee Lewis. I'm going to get him in to play a Wurlitzer piano and we're going to flesh out the sound a little bit. So Jerry Lee Lewis comes in. And at the same time, 
Elvis is in town yeah. with his girlfriend. He says, well, let me go drop in and see what's happening at Sun Studios. Let me, let me see what my old pal Sam is up to. And Carl Perkins is recording with Jerry Lee Lewis. Elvis is there. And then at some point, and, and this has been disputed, Johnny Cash either showed up mid-session or, as Johnny Cash claimed, he was the first one there and the last one out. For whatever the truth may be, those four guys... Elvis Perkins, Jerry Lee, and and Johnny Cash record in the studio. And the the engineer at some point, or, or they're playing in the studio, playing gospel and blues numbers that they love, that they grew up on. And at some point, the engineer says, you know what? Be smart. I'm going to hit record on this mm. because this could be something. Mm. Now, Perkins was a, a one or two hit guy at that time. Right. Maybe maybe he had a couple hits. Jerry Lee Lewis was was not known outside of memphis at, at, at that time elvis was a worldwide success and johnny cash was johnny cash that stuff got recorded mm -hmm. and then 56 in the early 80s it gets released as an album called right. the million dollar quartet sure, that yeah. is the first i think that's the first real super group and it was accidental yep but is it a super group if not all of them are really? <laughs> I know. I know one of my rules. Yeah, Jerry Lee, but yeah. Retrospectively, it's a super group. Yeah. No, well, okay. So in 81, when that when the record was released in Europe, that's a effing super group, man. So there you go. That would be in the super group pioneering category. Yeah. yeah. Special <laughs> category. Do you want to extol the virtues of a power station? I can't do that. I, 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 I just can't. Well, I extol the virtues. I mean, I think that they came out and were able to. They were there during the new wave era. I think that was the one super group that I, I can certainly think of with, uh, with Andy Taylor and John Taylor. Tony and Thompson Rand, from Chic. From Chic uh, on drums. And of course, Robert Palmer on the heels of uh, belated career success and yeah. like Bafo career success. Yeah. So he was he was destined to I think uh, have a hit just because he was on a roll after uh, what was the hit? Uh, addicted to love. Yeah, addicted to love. Right. So so this was on the heels of that. You know, as 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 the new wave train was continuing mm -hmm. to chug along, um, he did Power Station and they had the they hit uh, Some Like It Hot and they did a cover of T Rex's Bang a Gong that also got airplay. Unfortunately, yeah, I can't say I was a. I, you know, I have the forty fives. I didn't buy the album. I can't say I was a fan, but there were certainly hype around that group, uh, and I think they were also promoted heavily by MTV. Yeah, um, yeah, of course they were. They, 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 they were the the right faces and right band at the right time. Duran Duran were MTV darlings, so of course, as was Robert. There's going to be as was Robert, Robert Palmer, and of course, going to have that carryover. But when Oh, man, you know, I, I will never forgive a band for taking every shred of life and heartbeat out of a T-Rex song. <laughs> T-Rex, we've, we've spoken about my, my yes, love for yeah. T-Rex and, and specifically the, the album that this song comes from and this song. And my goodness, to appreciate a song enough to do a cover but not appreciate what makes that song good and just flatten it. And like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do a, a 17 year old uh, high school cover band version of Bang A Gong. 
F you guys. Horrible, <laughs> horrible version. I, I think that's a topic. Probably, that's a topic actually, for a separate podcast, which is which is um, disappointing covers. Yeah, well, yeah we're actually, there. I actually like Andy Taylor's uh, riffs at the beginning of the song, actually. A bang a gong? A bang a gong. Yeah, I think he has some nice little riffs. But... See, now I have to put it in the soundtrack <laughs> on podcast uh, on Spotify. Christ. Well, I guess it's going to take the place of all the CSNY songs that we can't put on our Spotify soundtrack tonight. Uh, it brings me to uh, one of my super groups. Fantastic. And, and this is a super group to me. Um, you guys. By your just, standards, by your. By, your by, my, by my standards. But, uh, but also will acknowledge the fact that a side project shouldn't really be considered a super group. I, I, if it's a side project, I, I really feel. But I'm going to break my own commandment right, right now, actually, with a couple of these, these, these groups I want to mention. But there's a group called Baseball Project. Don't know if you know them. Don't know them. Okay, so Baseball Project is Peter Buck from R.E.M., oh, okay. nice. Scott McCoy from Young Fresh Fellows, Young Fresh Fellows, Steve Wynn from Dream Syndicate, and Linda Pittman, the drummer from Filthy, uh, Filthy Friends. Now, this group got together organically out of a love of baseball. It's called the Baseball Project. And all of the songs are very, very smartly written, mm -hmm songs and very well-played songs about baseball, about historical players, about specific teams. There's one song in particular called uh, called uh, Box Scores that, that hooked me. Mm -hmm. These are really, this is not a novelty group. So it, it's Buck McCoy, Wynn, and Pittman. And the lyrics are baseball's Highway 61 Revisited. That's, I know I'm putting them up on a, on, a, on Mount Rushmore here, but Baseball Project will be on the soundtrack, in the Spotify soundtrack. I love that group. Obviously, it's a side project for all sure. of the, the members. But yeah, so Baseball Project, y'all. Tommy, you have another uh, candidate for Supergroup? There's, there's a couple. Um, I feel like this is a supergroup for, for a niche crowd of aging punk rockers like myself the lords of the new church in in 81 that debut record came out and it hit me like a ton of bricks it's now Stiv baders lead singers from dead boys brian james from the damned mm. dave to dave Turguna from sham 69 and nick turner from the barracudas mm. all legit yeah. punk rock bands now the barracudas was an english surf rock band you get your brain around that one. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but Dead Boys Damned, Sham 69, The Barracudas, and Lords of the New Church, that debut record, I have the, the, the actually have the dagger from the cover of the original album tattooed on my, on my arm. I love that record. I, insanely good band. And as far as punk rock supergroups go, that's your, the, the, they're on the, uh, on, on the Mount Rushmore, as Tony would say. For the listeners, Tommy just showed us his uh, dagger <laughs> yeah. tattoo uh, yeah. on his forearm. My last uh, candidate for Supergroup. It's actually a band I've been listening to on and off for a couple of years. Black Country Communion. Have we heard of them? I think I have. And that is, uh, check out this lineup. Um, 
One name you might not know, uh, Derek Sherinian, uh, Dream Theater keyboardist. Some people consider him the Keith Emerson of keyboards today. Um, Jason Bonham on drums. Uh, That's why I know them. Joe Bonamassa on guitar, uh, one of the most heralded blues rock guitarists today, hands down. And on lead, uh, on bass and lead vocals, Glenn Hughes. Yes, that Glenn Hughes. From the Deep Purple, I believe, Mark III lineup with, with David Coverdale. They've done four albums. I'd like to recommend uh, their third album, Afterglow. The song, This Is Your Time, amazing. Glenn Hughes, really one of the great screamers uh, of all time. Uh, so This Is Your Time. And on their last album, Black Country Communion for uh, the song Wanderlust, amazing. I've been listening to them recently. Uh, I don't consider them a side project. I consider them a great uh, modern supergroup. So my, my last candidate is a Black Country Communion. Now, Carla, you said you came ready to fight. Yeah. So, so is that a supergroup or is that a, no, a group? Is that a group comprised of great players? Uh, is well, a super group? I would say uh, it is probably a super group for the reason. Glenn Hughes came out of Deep Purple. Derek Sherinian, uh, among the kind of those kind of uber prog heavy bands, came out of Dream Theater, highly respected. Joe Bonamassa has always essentially been a solo artist. And Jason Bonham has, you know, just gone uh, I heard that last name before. yeah it gone to a lot of different places right now he's with the circle uh, with sammy hager but i would say yeah they are a legitimate super group uh derek sherinian is again people would say he is the greatest keyboardist today he's he's actually been called the eddie van halen of keyboards but keith emerson is a Jimi hendrix yeah of keyboards. I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm, they should get together i'm having a hard time following this math I was told there would be no math. Well, the reality is you have no choice but to put Black Country Communion on our Spotify playlist for this episode. And I would recommend This Is Your Time or Wanderlust. Got it. Just for Glenn Hughes, man. Glenn Hughes is just a great screamer. Up there with Steven Tyler. A super group that I listen to a lot. A lot. And it and it, it, it again. It, it's a side project. The band is called Middle Brother. Never heard of them. All Don't right. know. You will, because they'll be on our Spotify soundtrack. But uh, it, it's John J. McCauley from Deer Tick, Taylor Goldsmith from Dawes, and Matt Vasquez from Delta Spirit. Now, this is a case where I love all three of those bands. I love Deer Tick, Dawes, and Delta Spirit a lot. Now, these this this band formed and released one album called middle brother and the way they got me the way they they caught my attention was just randomly on i guess the way spotify has that discover weekly playlist that they offer you yeah. like hey hey if you like this our algorithm tells you tells us that you would like this middle brothers version of portland came up portland is a never released replacement song it has since been released because they they do the deluxe versions and and when please to meet me's deluxe version came out replacements portland was on there but now middle brother actually records a cover version of a never before released 
replacement mm. song. And it's the song itself is loaded with all those great Westerbergian couplets because the man is a, is a genius and is probably the, the second best American songwriter uh, we know. But so the, the song opens, uh, shared a cigarette for breakfast, shared an, a pack of lies for lunch. Um, great band, solid, solid, sold, one off album that uh, is listenable from top to bottom. Tyler, and, can you, can you recite? Quote, could you recite that line, that couplet again? It's a uh, shared a cigarette for breakfast. A uh, shared an airplane ride for lunch. That's like like Merle Haggard. You have one more. I know you uh, have one more in you. <laughs> I got one more in me, and this this probably stays truer to my uh, my uh, commandments of the supergroup. In that everybody came from an amazing place, and it was organically devised. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, guys. Like mm. Nick Cave and Mick Harvey came from Birthday Party, mm. a legit punk Australian punk band, awesome. absolutely. And then you got Blixa Bargeld, who is the lead singer in Einstürzen der Neubauten. And here's the Neubauten tattoo on my arm that you could look at um on on our zoom recording here um so he plays guitar for nick nick cave in the bad seeds barry adamson from magazine wow and kid congo powers from gun club and the cramps that is a legit super group and all came from great places and nick cave in the bad seeds is indisputably a great band so guys, we got it. We, we got, got it. it. And I, I think what, we, what we've all discovered tonight is that it comes down to, I guess, CSN yeah. and CSNY. Like they, they win the bracket. They, I, think they, they I think they win the bracket. Yeah, they, they might not be our favorite band, but as far as super groups go, where they came from, their pedigree, as Tony would say, their, their heritage, the, the risk that they brought to CSN and CSNY, and the success that they then had, like that's, that is the legit super yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think, I think if I have to go one, two, three, I have to, I would give the silver to bad company. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think yeah. I would, I think I would give the, I, I'm tempted to give the bronze to the faces. Whoa. What do you think gets the bronze? It's not ELP. <laughs> no, it's I Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I think it's a no-brainer. It's uh, it's Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Oh God. No, okay. Let's just let's just do gold then. We can all agree on the gold. Yeah. CSN slash CSNY. Yeah. And it's a group that unfortunately cannot be uh, included in our our Spotify soundtrack. Neil, work it out, man. God. Let, let, I let, guess. Let, it, yeah, I know that's a bummer. Let's get your music on Spotify, man. I respect you, but people want to hear it, and that's how they hear it these days. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. And don't forget, you can go to Spotify to hear the playlist for this podcast episode, all the songs that we talked about, except, of course, any songs by Neil Young. And if you enjoyed us, tell your friends, tell your family. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at vinyl salad thank you everybody thanks thank you <laughs>